Welcome to the podcast in such a wonderful, soothing time. We find out that the writer of the series Black Mirror says he can't write anymore because we're just already living Black Mirror. Uh, it's, it's too real, and uh, we can't really do anymore. That's terrifying. We find out the truth between behind some of the uh, Michigan protests actually misrepresented by the media. Who would have believed it? Brad Meltzer joins us to kind of give us some historical perspective. Uh, Ken Paxson is the... Uh, is the uh, Attorney General of Texas, and he's on to talk about the jailing of a Dallas salon owner. Uh, that one had a major development basically during the interview. We talked to a couple of other people who are trying to keep their businesses open uh, around the country. And was there a coup attempt in Venezuela like this past week? Seems like there was. We get the details from Jason Buttrell. Uh, make sure you subscribe to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. Get 30 bucks off. We're about to uh, end that. Uh, deal. So make sure if you want to get the 30 bucks, you go there now, blazetv.com slash Glenn, and make sure to subscribe to this podcast and rate and review it as well as Stu Does America. Uh, please rate and review that one as well. It's my show, and you can get that one on YouTube. Just go to youtube.com and search for Stu. I'll be the first one there. Here's the podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. This is the Glenn Beck program. So yesterday I get a a phone call from somebody on my staff and they said, "Uh, Glenn, uh, you remember uh, Carolyn uh, Borsenko? And I said, isn't she the woman from like New Hampshire? She's the the Zen psychologist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. She was the one who went to the uh, she was a, a, a lefty and she went to a Trump rally because she didn't like being told, you know, what to do. And she wanted to conquer her fear and everything else. And she found out that, wow, Trump people are really nice. It's not like what everybody is saying that they are. She's got a really, really great open mind. When I talked to her on the air, I said, I think I don't think you're I think you're actually joining our side. I think you're come to the dark side. Uh, and uh, we laughed about it. And so I thought, why is she calling? She was calling because of what I said yesterday, apparently on the air about uh, the Michigan rally. And I was warning people, please know that we are an image driven society. Please, if you're carrying something, if you're that's why my things I've always said, please, no signs, no signs, because the media will just latch on to one image and then it's over. You have to be careful don't drive, you know, up to these things with a, a, with a firearm. Just you have the right to do it. Yes, you do. But the media will latch on to those things and it will hurt you in the long run. So just be careful. So when I got that call, I thought, OK, Carolyn, uh, she's she didn't come to the dock side. She's back to her dock side. No, not so much. She actually wanted to correct me and make sure that I knew that. These were really good people at these protests. Carolyn, welcome to the program. Hi, Glenn. Thank you. And it's Carlin, like George Carlin. Oh, Carlin. I'm sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Carlin. Uh, <laughs> That's all so, good. Uh, uh, so, so do I have the story right? Yeah, yeah, essentially. So I ended up speaking to the organizers of the Michigan protest the other day on my YouTube channel <laughs> just because I was fascinated with the whole thing. And we had yes. a great conversation. And then just comparing what they said to what was in the media, it was, there, there are some discrepancies. 
I love you. I absolutely <laughs> love you. I really do. I think you're amazing. Okay. So what are the discrepancies? I, I know of one, the guy who was, the guy who has, he's kind of balding and he's got a big beard uh, and he was photographed and it looks like he's yelling at the police, but actually he's not yelling at the police. Uh, no, is that right? He is not yelling at the police at all. He's yelling past the police because they're yelling into the room where the vote was taking place. And the entire goal of this rally was to make sure the legislature in Michigan voted not to be able to not to extend the governor's executive's order. That was the whole goal. And so they were yelling at them as they were taking the vote to vote no. <laughs> and that's not the way it was spun. Okay, no, so you say that there, you say that there are the, the things that maybe I or other conservatives are doing uh, that uh, is we have wrong. So tell, talk to the conservatives that and me that may have it wrong. Go ahead. You know, the the biggest thing is that the entire rally was coordinated with law enforcement from the very beginning. So there's this this perception that the police were put in danger, law enforcement was put in danger. That's absolutely untrue. The organizers of the rally coordinated with law enforcement literally every step of the way, leading up to the rally, the day before the rally, during the rally. They coordinated with law enforcement to make sure there was a specific path kept open for the hospital in case people needed to get there. Permits were issued when they went into the Capitol building. Their temperatures were taken. It was all very orderly. The militia folks that were there, the ones with the, the big guns, which I agree is not the best the best photo in the world, but there are other photos that show that the police were actually like hanging out with the militia guys and smiling. So there wasn't right. an adversarial relationship. Right. Everyone was working together. So, I, 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 so, so Carlin, I want you to know that I don't believe there is an adversarial relationship with the police. I know these kinds of people. I've, I've, I've been doing this for a long time. I know these kinds of people. Um, what I, I learned from Martin Luther King, that love is always the answer. That's great. These people are loving people for the most part. I mean, there's creeps in every crowd but these are families these are regular americans that believe in good things and yada 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 um but the what i'm always concerned about is the other thing i learned from martin luther king it is an image that will destroy you it is one photograph that will destroy you it's the dogs barking um with really peaceful black people walking down the street that turned america's head because there was no way to position that. So I'm just concerned about the images. King was very disciplined. And it's hard with libertarians to say, okay, guys, we got to organize and have a set of rules. It's like herding cats can't be done. Mm -hmm. But we have to have discipline to make sure because we know how dishonest the press is. We know how images will be used against us because it's been done yeah. before. And, and I agree with everything that you just said, but I guess I'm going to push back a little and say, at what point does the media have some responsibility? And I'm talking to the conservative media now to make sure they are telling the full and accurate story of what happened to push back against some of these misconceptions, because I'm just a random person on the Internet and I was able to tell this. And so so you guys have some responsibility as well. <laughs> I agree. Uh, Carla, I absolutely agree with you. And if I have let the audience down on that, I apologize and we will double our effort on it. Um, uh, but I, I will tell you that uh, listening to you talk, you will not be able to relate to this. 
I have waited for you. I was just listening to you give that first point, And I thought to myself with a smile on my face. And I thought I have waited for someone like her for 15 years. <laughs> I have waited for I really have Carlin. I really have. And so has this audience. You are somebody who is you're not in lockstep with everything that I say or whatever. You've come from the left and you just you just want the truth. We're not talking politics. You just want the truth. Your voice until they discredit you. Your voice um, brings a hope and an awful lot of credibility because this is not your horse. And so some of us have been beaten down by the press for so long and destroyed. We have to we want to make sure we're uber, uber careful because we're on the front line of being you will be soon. But we're on the front line of being attacked. And we've learned our lesson in the past. That doesn't mean we've given up the fight by any chance uh, or any stretch of the imagination. We're just more cautious on things because we know how fast one mistake will just absolutely destroy you. Oh, does that make I, I sense? Yeah, it, it does. I mean, and, and it's certainly a conversation I've had with so many conservatives over the past several months. And, you know, it, it's something that I that I hear. And listen, I'm I'm fully willing to step up and be, be the, a truth teller in this scenario. But I simply hope that I'm not the only one that's telling the story of You're not. regular Joes that, that organized you... this rally because they wanted to do the right thing. <laughs> Yeah, you're 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 absolutely not. We have reached out to many of the organizers in different states. I've got four people on today that are going to tell their story about what's going on. So you're not alone. <laughs> That's make sure you know that. And if you ever feel alone, you call me. I want you. My staff will give you. I don't have a phone, so uh, they'll ah. give you a way to contact me personally. They'll give you my private email address so you can contact me directly. Because you're not alone. You give me a lot of hope. All right. So the, the next thing uh, that you, you think needs to be corrected. Well, and the law enforcement was was a big one. Oh, another thing that I haven't heard talk about is that there were literally zero warnings from law enforcement issued at this entire rally. There was only one arrest that, that was, was made. And, and okay, Glenn, do you want to guess what the one arrest was at this rally? Want to guess who it was? <laughs> Uh, no, go ahead. Anifa. It, it, it was a Democrat. <laughs> it was a Democrat. It was protesting. And what were they rally. were? What were they arrested for? What were they arrested they were, for? They were kicking people at the rally. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Was that was that even reported anywhere? I don't I don't believe it was, but it, it's on my YouTube oh channel. My in the interview that I did with them. Um, and another thing um, is uh, the elected representatives, as they were taking the vote, they were actually in communication with the people at the rally. They were like texting back and forth because a guy at the rally knew the Senate Majority Leader, and so the people inside. I mean, I've seen these tweets come out basically saying, "Oh, we were so scared of these people." They knew what was going on. They were coordinating and talking back and forth the whole time. And so I have a really hard time believing that anyone was actually. Scared scared carlin i love you i do <laughs> i just can't thank you enough uh for just being interested in the truth and and being brave enough to take on your own your own circle 
I mean, nobody wants to be a pariah. Nobody wants to have to recheck everything that they thought they believed in. It's a it's a scary thing. But everyone should do that on both sides. And you're you're just a great example. Just a great example for so many people. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You need anything. You call me. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Around my house, we've been cooking a lot more these days, and Dad's behind the grill. It's a great way to stay close as a family. Actually, my son and I are enjoying cooking the evening meal. Uh, We are smoking meats. Yes, we're practically professionals. Actually, don't tell anybody, it's really, really simple with a a Rectech grill because we turn it on, set the temperature, put the meat in, come back five hours later, and then everybody raves. It's a game changer for your family. It's a Rectech grill. It goes way above and beyond with the grilling experience. It's a Wi-Fi based smart technology, multiple temperature sensors to ensure that you're going to get a smooth, even cooking experience. No charcoals, no gas, nothing. You're cooking with wood, but you're not hauling the wood in. You have to just check this out and enter today for your chance to win the same grill that I use with Rectech's Father's Day contest. Go to rectechgrills.com slash back. That's rectechgrills with an S dot com slash back. This is the Glenn Beck program. We're glad you're here. So you might know the story of the Dallas salon owner. Uh, her name is Shelly Luther, and she went back to work because, well, I'll, I'll, let's play the audio of her before the judge. Uh, what, yesterday or the day before? Here's what she said to the judge after he said, I'm going to punish you with jail unless you apologize and uh, close your shop. Here's her response. Judge, I would like to say that I have much respect for this court and laws. And that I've never been been in this position before. And it's not some place that I want to be. But I have to disagree with you, sir, when when you say that I'm selfish. Because feeding my kids is not selfish. I have hairstylists that are going hungry because they'd rather feed their kids. So, sir, if you think the law is more important than kids getting fed, then please go ahead with your decision, but I am not going to shut the salon. This is, this is a civil rights moment. This is a new civil rights m- movement. These, these are unelected officials um, making dictates. And, you know, there's one thing to say, hey, we really recommend this and we really want you to do this. And another with giving you either as they're doing now in California, they're not putting you in jail. They're they're giving you absolutely crippling uh, fines or taking away your business license. So you're done. You're just out. There's no place to go. So Ken Paxton, who is the attorney general of the great state of Texas yesterday, uh, came out and he was, I'd say, pretty darn strong on uh, on his uh, stance. He put out a letter along with uh, Greg Abbott uh, and and basically basically took the judge and what's going on apart. We have Ken Paxton on with us now, the Attorney General of the great state of Texas and a friend. Hello, Ken. How are you? Hey, Glenn. I'm doing well. How are you? 
I'm very good. All right. I'm glad to hear when I saw your tweet yesterday, I was so happy to hear that you were you were on the side of common sense. Um, tell me your stance, because you're now getting heat from judges. So tell me what you what you said yesterday about this whole thing. I just said, you know, this is ridiculous. It's outrageous that a woman who went out to work, who, who needs an income, was put in jail. And I understand there are orders relating to this and, and maybe consequences that, you know, happen to people. But putting someone in jail, especially in light of Dallas County releasing or wanting to release, you know, criminals who have been convicted because they're afraid they're going to get corona. And now you're putting a woman in, in, in a jail where, where she could get corona. So I, it makes no sense to me. You wrote, the trial judge did not need to lock up Shelley Luther. His order is shameful abuse of judicial discretion, which seems like another political stunt in Dallas. He should release her immediately. I hope he'll listen to that. I hope that he'll come to his senses. Uh, you, I think that these judges are all banding together in Dallas County to, to criticize my statements. But look, this is a, a, I mean, this is just a regular citizen. She did not, she didn't go out and shoplift in, in Dallas, which is not a crime there apparently. Um, and and she hasn't committed any kind of crime. So I don't, I do not think she should be in prison. Ken, where do we, uh, the, the governor is in, uh, a, just a heck of a spot. Uh, and I know Greg Abbott and I respect him. So I give him a lot of, of room here. Um, mainly cause I would not want to be in his position. He loses either way. If he does nothing, he loses. If he does too much, he loses. For some people, if he does anything, he loses. So there's no place for him to go. How do we balance uh, this? I mean, me and a lot of other people think the governors and the president and the mayors should come out and say, look, this, these are the scientific facts. You need to stay home. We're, we're, we're not going to throw anybody in jail, but you need to stay home. Please, let's do this together. Otherwise, if you make it an edict, you're violating all of my civil rights. Yeah, I, I think you make a really good point. One, we don't have like a, a, a model to look at. We haven't been through this before. There's nobody that knows how to do it right. And, and everybody's there's not a single governor, whether they have good motives, bad motives, who's going to get this 100% right and get the balance between protecting health and safety versus protecting people's ability to, to make a living and, and what impact that has on their lives. And so I think the, the, we, we should do the least amount that we can do to protect people's lives. And so I think the governor's, you know, he's, he's struggling with that balance and he's trying to, he's trying to get there. And, you know, we're going to, I think, be one of the faster states that moves towards opening up and letting people work and letting, let it be individual decisions about, because I think people are, are educated now. They, they know they, they've been sufficiently scared about the coronavirus. And I think they should now be making their own decisions about what risk they want to take based on their own health situation and their age and their I absolutely responsible for themselves you know i use this example uh i use this example last hour uh that uh my church uh, moved to close down services before any state or government did anything they said we're going to cancel all services you know do your services at home blah 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 and they they passed that now in illinois the governor is saying you may not go to church for the next uh year 
we may close churches down. Well, wait a minute. I, I think this is a, I mean, churches are responsible for their flock. And, you know, there are some crazy people out there, but there's, there's, you know, churches that will say, we're going to do services limited to this, or we're not going to do services. And then each individual should be allowed to choose from there. Where does the state get its power to do these things? I don't think they have the power. If you'll notice in Texas, we never said that. And Governor Abbott put churches as an essential business uh, with the list that the federal government had given us. There were 16 essential businesses, and he added this one, and I think rightfully so. There are special protections for First Amendment under the Constitution. And so you can't go and restrict churches the way you can restrict other things. And so I think we've, we've made the right call. And I think in the end, look, people need help. There's a lot of people that are suffering right now because they've lost their jobs and they've gone through difficult times, health situations, and they're going to need spiritual leaders in their lives. And, and so we don't need to be telling from a, from a state position or any government saying you can't meet. And I know other states have done that. Kentucky, the governor there, was taking down license plates of people at church, uh, you know, apparently wanting to record that information to somehow use it against them. That's just not right. Uh, I have to ask you a question. Greg Abbott just tweeted, throwing Texans in jail whose businesses shut down through no fault of their own is wrong. I'm eliminating jail for violating an order retroactive to April 2nd, superseding all local orders. Criminals shouldn't be released uh, to prevent COVID-19 just to put business owners in their place. Your reaction. God bless Greg Abbott. Um, that was a great move on his part. I think he he saw what happened to Shelley Luther, and he's responded in a, a, in a responsible, appropriate way. And I say, God bless Greg Abbott, and please, I, I, I beg this judge, let this woman out of jail. She should not be there. This judge, Ken, you said it in your tweet yesterday. I, I think the guy is, I think the guy's ego was bruised by her when he said, you know, that... Uh, she had uh, what was it uh, maligned or or something something ridiculous about you defiled his order defiled his order by tearing it in half and demanded an apology this is out, absolutely out of control i agree with you i think it got personal for him and i think he, yep. he took it personally and that's why he reacted by overreacted by instead of just merely giving her a fine um, and I don't think anybody would have said anything about that, whether they agree, you know, people might have disagreed, but not to the extent of putting a woman in jail who's just trying to do her job. So let me ask you on Greg's uh, on the governor's uh, um, order here. You responded by saying, uh, uh, please, judge, please do this. Does does the governor have the right to say I'm canceling uh, all of all of these convictions and they're to be released or do the, do the judges have to agree with him? How is this going to work? So it's going to be interesting. So yes, the, the governor's order supersedes any county order that would be different than what he just ordered. The question here is it wasn't the county or state or the uh, city that really put her in jail. It was his judge and it was a contempt order. So I don't know my guess is that the judge could still keep her in jail, despite the fact that now, you know, retroactively, the, the, everything has been wiped out. And Holy cow. what he also had an order earlier this week that opened up haircuts starting tomorrow. So 
you know, potentially she could still be sitting in jail despite the fact that there's nothing wrong with it now. All of the penalties of being in jail have been wiped out both across the state, and this judge might still keep her in jail. I hope he doesn't do that. Everything has been taken away. There's nothing wrong with what she, she, she's done. Let's go. Let's let her out. All right. One, one last question. Um, as a business owner myself, I am looking for someone to give us some sort of protection uh, from litigation because there are already, I think, 2,400 cases uh, against businesses, et cetera, et cetera, all across the country um, on coronavirus. And if somebody walks into my place of business and they get sick, uh, am I going to get sued? It, are you guys thinking at all of any protection or giving us any kind of any kind of release from liability if we're opening up our stores and we're being responsible? Well, so that that is uh, completely controlled by the Texas legislature. Um, the governor can't really stop lawsuits, even with a, an executive order. It would expire. You know, he can't. He can't. After the the coronavirus is no longer a threat, he he wouldn't have the same authority. So it has to be the Texas legislature, which meets in January, and they could, uh, I believe, they could wow. just pass a law that retroactively uh, ended these 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 lawsuits. Do you think that that is worth calling a special session for? I mean, it's an emergency. I mean, my honestly, my business partner is like, I'm not opening up these studios until I have something I can point to and say, well, no, they said we could go back to work if we did these things, you know, and I, I don't know when you're going to so, tell regular businesses you can open back up and everybody can come back to work. You know, we're, we're, yeah, we're, I mean, we actually have no one in our studios right now. I have 80,000 square feet. I mean, I was in the middle of construction of remodeling. I not even I can't even bring the construction workers in because I'm afraid that one person who's an emergency person who's on the other side of the building could get sick and it would just it would destroy us. What yeah, do we do? I think you uh, I think that's a, that's certainly something that the, the governor should consider. It's it's it's. It's definitely a, a challenging issue for businesses to not have some security as it relates to this issue. And, you know, there will be lawsuits filed. So, you know, I don't know. They're, they're going sure to the be. thinking about this. I don't know whether he's going to call a special session before January. It's 100% the governor's call. And I just have no idea whether he's going to do that. Would you be willing to pass that on to him for us? Because I know a lot of business people that are in the same boat. We want to open back up and we will be responsible we just need some indication from the governor that it's going to be okay. You go back to work now. We need somebody to say that so we're not there all on our own waiting for just dogs of, of, uh, of uh, litigation to devour us. Absolutely. I will communicate that message today. I think that's a, that's a good message for him. I'm sure he's already heard it, but for him to hear. I'm sure he has. So, yeah, happy to Great. do that. Ken, thank you very much. I appreciate it. It's, this is some really good news. Uh, and, uh, and thank you for uh, your leadership and, and keeping us out of just really nasty things. Thank you so much. This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. We're so glad you're here. Um, uh, years ago, I hired uh, somebody to be our military and global affairs researcher and writer. Uh, his name is uh, Jason Buttrill, and he is 
he's a, an amazing guy. He has been uh, now named our head writer and chief researcher on all things. Uh, he's responsible for a lot of uh, what we uh, expose on any of our specials on Wednesday night. I've asked him to look into this Venezuela operation, um, and he joins us now. Hi, Jason. How are you? Hey, Glenn. Doing good. Thanks for having me. Uh, so this this story here on Venezuela is amazing, um, and they have just now uh, trotted one of these former, I think, Green Berets or Special Forces uh, members out in front of television in Venezuela. Uh, and I'll ask you to, to tell me about them here in just a second. But he was arrested in Venezuela uh, and admitted to a plot to capture President Maduro. Uh, he said that he and six Venezuelan mercenaries, along with another American, uh, were commanded by, by Donald Trump. Uh, to go and kidnap uh, Maduro. That doesn't sound like a very good plan, if indeed is true. Yeah. Do you believe it was, I, came from the White House in any way, shape, or form? Absolutely not. And I think that's the best way to, or the best jumping off point to look at this story because I've looked into the story. I've actually reached out to people that were. I want to, don't want to say involved, and I'm going to be very careful to keep their uh, their identities hidden. But um, they were they did go to the training camps, which, w- which were in Colombia. They did help initially in some of the training. But one of the reasons why they backed out was because they said that there was no uh, support from any government whatsoever. There was no support from the transition government with Gallardo in uh, Venezuela, and there was definitely no U.S. government support. And that caused many okay. people to say, look, well, I'm, I don't want to have anything to do with this. So they went down, the people you spoke to went down and were part of this training early on and then figured it out and went, this is crazy. Yeah, I mean, they, right? they reported, uh, they, they reported you know, malnourished soldiers on the ground. They reported a, a lack of weapons. They reported a low amount of uh, actual soldiers that could pull this off. So the people that were involved were, you know, to be pretty bluntly, uh, known drug traffickers. In fact, the, the head, his name is Alcala, was a general under Chavez. And he's been a dissident. He uh, mm. separated from the Maduro uh, military. He was involved in the get-go from a lot of the armed uprisings we saw back in April of last year. Um, he is now in a U.S. prison because he was involved with Chavez <laughs> to smuggle cocaine uh, up into the United States. These are the people that were so- involved here. So who was paying for it? Was he involved in paying for it? Very good question, because the American contractor uh, that kind of set everything up, the former uh, special uh, Green Beret, uh, Jordan Goudreau, he said that initially they had the Venezuelan transition government on board. They promised to pay them money, but the money never showed up. Now, there's been a lot of people we've been trying to follow the money trail. There's been multiple uh, millionaires, billionaires, uh, some of them in the United States who initially Sounded like they were giving some money, but it pretty much sounds like once they figured out the scope of this, that they actually were going to do an invasion with 300 men, Glenn. The Venezuelan army has (laughs) over 140,000. Now, they had 300 men. (laughs) 300. I mean, you know, that's that isn't that that famous movie 300 and that famous story (laughs) from what Troy 300 men. Uh, So, you know. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it, it, it is crazy. Now, Maduro is taking this guy and uh, he is just spilling his guts. But he's he's saying that a, a company called Silver Corp yeah. uh, was involved in this. What is Silver Corp? So Silver Corp is uh, Jordan Goudreau's, the former uh, Green Beret. It's his company. If you look on it, it looks like a lot of the <laughs> the contractor, shady contractor type websites. There's really no way to get in contact right. with them. They just show them doing pictures of cool stuff, you know, wearing earpieces or, you know, running around with their shirts off up mountains and stuff and saying they can provide. So it's cool like a, a black, a black water wannabe, a Blackwater wannabe. Exactly. Less legit. So like Blackwater, the way they would operate is they would get a government contract that's fully sponsored by the U.S. government and they would go do something. That's the first way you can do those things. The second is you get full uh, support from the host nation. Some contractors do that. This guy went option C, which was none of the above. <laughs> We're just going to say screw it. Gather a bunch of guys and go in. <laughs> yeah. And their plan was to go take the airport. I mean, this guy describes it on television in Venezuela that my job was to take the airport and secure the peri- him to take the airport and secure the perimeter. Uh-huh. What was their plan beyond that? So from what I can tell, what they expected was they're claiming to have larger support within Venezuela. Now, that very well could be true. But I guess really to fully understand it, we've got to go back to April of 2019. April 2019, I don't know if you remember, but that's when you know there was an actual like kind of turn in, a lot, in some of the soldiers. There was that big uprising at one of the military bases. Uh, Gallardo uh, kind of emerged at that point. The U.S. government said, okay, we support this guy. And we thought more military were going to start flipping. Well, that failed. When that failed, I always wondered what Mm -hmm. happened to those guys. Where'd they go? Well, they went to Colombia. And this story continues as all coup stories happen in a Marriott in Bogota, Colombia. Don't all coup stories. They end up happening in Marriott. I don't don't know. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, They always do. So that's when all of these guys are clean. They have a Bible in the in the in the bedside. And so it's, you know, (laughs) I mean, even revolutionaries want a nice place to stay. Um, so what happens to this guy? I mean, first of all, he is claiming on television that he got his orders direct from Donald Trump, which uh, is laughable. I mean, there's no Donald Trump. If he's going to go in, he's going in. He's not going in with this guy. Yeah. No, this is dumb. Nobody would support this plan. His claims are absolutely false, which we verified uh, ourselves. Um, I don't know what happens to him. Uh, Pompeo said yesterday that the U.S. government was going to do what they could to try and get them back. But I personally don't think that they're going to be able to do anything. We've already got sanctions on them. We're not going to push this too far because it wasn't sanctioned. And then we don't want to make it well, look why like would it we, was sanctioned. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Why would we want these guys back? I mean, you know. If I go into another country and I break the law, I have to pay the price in that the United States government's not going to come and save me. You know, I have to pay the fine or go to jail or whatever it is. These guys were going in to foment a revolution and a coup. And while I agree with the goal, I didn't. Why are we saving them? That's it, true. It, 
will come down directly to that. And, it, you know, these these were big boys. They knew what they were doing. This is awful. The situation is awful. Um, I think I think the official numbers are around nine men died, including the Americans that were captured. They're alive. But mm. it was a, it was a tragedy. And, you know, this kind of all this really all falls on Jordan Goudreau, the guy that, you know, started this. It, it was his plan. He was in command of these guys. He convinced them to go. Jordan Goudreau, if, if if he's even listening to this, you need to go offer yourself. You need to go say, hey, look, I offer myself, let my men go. Because this is all on his so- shoulders. A 300-troop plan to topple a government is absolutely ridiculous. It's all on his shoulders. He needs to trade himself for his men and get them out of there. Well, you know how ridiculous this charge is when the media, who has tried to pin everything on Donald Trump, I mean everything, when the media is not running with this as an attempted coup, you know, it would be very damaging if 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 it were a coup uh, that Donald Trump had done, if it was a, you know, uh, Iran Contra kind of thing. But it's so clearly not that even the mainstream media is not running with that narrative. Now, this is a, this is basically like, uh, I don't know, this is more like Bay of Pigs if the Apple Dumpling Gang grabbed the local ga- crime lord and said, hey, let's go invade <laughs> a country or something like that. Um, and the way they tied it to Donald uh, Trump is they said, look, this guy would, like did security with Trump, and they, they pull all these screenshots of him providing security at a lot of Trump rallies. Hey, I'm sorry, but probably every contractor in America, when they're not overseas, has provided security for President Trump at one of his rallies. So you're, that's easy to find. There's no, absolutely no connection between this guy and Donald Trump, besides the fact that he knew Trump's former bodyguard and used that uh, connection to become, you know, a, to do security at some of these. That That is it. That's all. Unbelievable. Thank you very much, uh, Jason. I appreciate it. And keep us up to speed on this, because I, I find this story fascinating. Just fascinating. I was watching this this you know hostage video if you will where he is uh, he's saying all these things and i thought to myself i haven't seen this i think since the cold war i, yeah. I, I haven't seen anything like this i mean yeah. uh it's it's just bizarre just bizarre any idea how he's probably being treated or why he's saying these things is he being tortured or is this just him just i don't know trying to get preferential treatment well, he's been given the same treatment I've been given, and he's probably tapping into that as seer survival evasion resistance escape. And what he's doing right now is delaying as long as possible. So he'll give out information. It, might, it sounds bad that he's admitting to things, but he's doing what he has to do in order to save, to, to stall for time so that he can survive. So that's what he's doing right now. He's giving them little bits of information. He's giving them little bits of little victories for them so he can get small victories for himself. Maybe I shouldn't be saying a lot of this before I get in trouble and I get a knock on the door from a guy in a black suit. But he's doing what exactly what he needs to do to stall for time. Right. And we we've seen this happen before. And our military always knows about what these guys are doing. Unfortunately, this guy uh, is out on his own. I would be for rescuing people if this if our president or our Pentagon was behind it. And it was a failed deal. We have a responsibility to that individual to go save them. Uh, but not if you're doing this on your own. Not if you're right. doing it on your own. And it's, 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 uh, uh, it's a totally different story. So thank you very much, right. Jason. I appreciate it.